You're listening to a BGE podcast. Friends and family gather round and fire up the barbecue. Let the smoke waft and float, that's what we're gonna do. You can't deny there's nothing like friends and family and food. Don't sit still, pull out your grill, we're gonna have a barbecue. Brisket, to trim or not to trim? That is the question. Under the sun of the stars, fire is burning, the world keeps turning. Don't worry what you gotta do. Cause if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Fire up the barbecue. Fire up the barbecue. It's time for another episode of the Blind Grilling Experience. My name is Chris Peltz. I am the most interesting griller in the world. That's right, folks. We are going to talk about brisket. I've been saying we're going to do it for quite some time. I do have some feedback. I got some uh, emails that came in. I want to, uh, I've, I've replied to most of them. I want to, you know, just talk a little bit about some of the questions because it, it there a lot of these are questions that I get asked a lot. And sometimes I feel terrible because there's no easy answer for some of them, especially when it comes to something like the pellet grill. Uh, but uh, we had some new, we got some new commenters, some new folks uh, contacting us, Alex and Gregory and Philip. We appreciate everybody who is tuning in. Those who take the time to shoot us emails. Uh, a lot of our regulars uh, have sent in emails in response to listening to the programs. We just really do appreciate it. You guys want to get in contact with us. You want to ask us a question. Uh, you know, you got to comment about something. You want to tell us about a cook you've been doing or something you've tried that you heard about on this particular podcast. Let us know about it. Info at blindgrilling.com. And, uh, and again, we you know really hope you would take the time to not only reach out to us, but share the podcast with others as well. I, I will say this. I know uh, I, it has been a wild ride this, this, uh, this week. I mean, it, there's been so many things that have been happening and going on that uh, sometimes I don't know if I'm coming or going. It's... It's been crazy. We've had some good cooks. Uh, of course, the NFL is underway, right? As of last night, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions uh, went at it. And so it's going to be a big weekend. A lot of folks kind of, you know, gearing up and uh, throwing out, throwing down some great food on the grills. I, I tell you what we did. We did some halibut. And we did something called Poor Man's Lobster. And so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that in a minute. But, uh, but first of all, before we get to that and what I want to talk about when it comes to brisket, uh, let, let's uh, go through some of the, the feedback and some of the questions that we've gotten. And Philip has been asking about a, a small but well-built and reliable charcoal grill, kind of like a tabletop, 
but he doesn't want to necessarily have to take it around, travel with it. It's going to be set in one spot and doesn't do large cuts of meat, just does some, uh, you know, burgers, brats, chops, steaks, I'm sure probably chicken breast and, and things like that. But uh, from what I can gather, not going to be cooking briskets, not going to be doing pulled pork or anything like that, uh, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to smaller grills like that, there is a couple of things that I, I want to point out. You, obviously, all these grill manufacturers have different size grills that you can consider. You've got the Hasty Bake that has their Ranger, um, but it's you know it's still it's a metal grill. They do have one that's a little bit smaller, but it doesn't have the features that I, I think are uh, are worth it uh, because. Starting with the Ranger and going up in size for the Hasty Bake brand, you, you've you got the capability of raising and lowering your charcoal basket. And and it, it's one that's really popular with the steak competition uh, because of that very feature. And, in fact, my friend Nick, who owns Pits and Grills here in Springfield, uh, not only do they sell the Hasty Bakes there, but he uses a Hasty Bake for his steak competitions. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, I mean, he does a great job. And, you know, he, he loves the ability to move that charcoal and adjust that charcoal, you know, when it's time to sear, getting it closer to the cooking grate. And so, um, so there's some really good features with that particular, uh, with that particular grill. And they're very well made. Uh, but uh, you know, again, we're talking about a metal grill, um, and they're they're going to have good warranties. Them PK grills, um, you know, they are made out of cast aluminum. Very good grills. They were are very popular when it comes to you know steak competitions because of the ability to do a little bit of low and slow, but then crank it up and get it real hot and do the searing. Uh, so you can still do the reverse sear when it comes to uh, steaks, chops, chicken breast. Uh, you can still do kind of a smoked burger or just grill some burgers and brats and hot dogs. And and, and they make some smaller grills as well and very well built and, and good quality and, and will last, you know, will last you know longer than we will. <laughs> They'll last a lifetime, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Weber's probably got one of the best warranties um, out there when it comes to uh, their their kettles, and, and most of their grills are going to be a 10-year warranty on the the dome and the, uh, the, the, the kettle itself as far as, you know, not rusting through, or if it does, I mean, it, again, 10-year warranty. I mean, that's that's just, it's a really good warranty. They're well-made and, and just you know, a lot of folks are using them because they last so long and and they're probably one of the cheaper ones with that type of warranty that you can get. And so uh, so those are all good options. I still like the ceramic grills, though, because they even have smaller ceramic grills. The Mini Max from Big Green Egg. Um, you've got the Joe Jr. from K KJ, Camadou Joe. Uh, you 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 can go you know back to Big Green Egg where they've got the medium uh, they've got of course the large and the extra large and the two XL but you know for smaller cooks like that the Mini Max is kind of a tabletop you know setting on the counter and 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 going at it 
the smaller grill you get, the more finicky it is to control the temperature unless you just light it and let it go. Because the because you're dealing with a smaller space and smaller vents, the slightest adjustment makes a bigger difference. Whereas with an extra large or, you know, a large egg or an extra large egg, you know, you can, you're, you're, it's a little bit more forgiving when it comes to the adjustments of the vents. And it makes it a little easier to control. Uh, and I'm not talking, you know, you know, because blind, I'm, I'm talking, you know, sighted or, you know, even uh, you talk to anybody who's used these grills and used the variations of sizes, uh, you know, they, they understand and they've learned that, yeah, they're a little bit more finicky. They, you know, uh, you know, the slightest of adjustments can make a much bigger difference than on the larger grills. And so uh, that, that's just the nature of the grills when it comes to the sizes. But again, the ceramic grills, you know, the controllers like the Flame Boss can connect to them very easily. They connect to some of the other grills as well. But uh, being able to touch the outside of the grill when you're feeling around, you know, you've got, you know, different things around it and you reach up and you put your hand on a ceramic grill, uh, you know, knowing that even if it is hot, that, you know, you'll be able to safely remove your hand off of a hot grill and not leave skin behind like you would on some of the metal grills. It's it, to me, it's the safety is worth it, right? It's not to everybody and that that's fine. But, um, you know, again, this, these ceramic grills have lifetime warranties. Uh, as long as you're not throwing it or, you know, busting it with a bat or knocking it over, you know, if, if through your, gen, you know, regular use of the grill, if it cracks uh, or the, you know, the outside uh, glaze or something like that begins to, to come off or chip or something like that, they, they replace it. Lifetime warranty. I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing because they are such a good and well-made product and they stand behind it. These manufacturers stand behind their products, no doubt about it. So, for the smaller for the smaller grills, you know, um, you can go and buy something cheap, but if you really want something that's going to last, something of great quality with good warranties, Weber, Hasty Bake, PK, and your ceramic grills like the Big Green Egg, Camadu Joe, and Primo. I'm not sure how little the Primo grills get. I know they've got an equivalent of a large and extra large, but. Um, I don't know if, if they got anything smaller than that. You For that, you're probably looking at a big green egg, the medium or the mini max, um, or you're looking at the uh, the Joe Jr. Uh, from KJ. So, uh, so that's kind of where you would be on one of those grills. Uh, another question came in. Gregory asked about hooking up a flame boss to an old barrel cooker from, from Walmart. And it can be done. As long as there is a vent on the side that can be removed, you can get a universal mount. And sometimes, depending on how uh, oh industrious you are and adventurous you might be, um, you know, if you can, you know, 
finagle certain things. You can you know find a way to uh, rig up something uh, if the mounts aren't fitting perfect. Usually, you can find a way to get that done. You know, I know on the Weber kettles to get a flame boss connected correctly, there are instructions, uh, and you have to drill a hole in the bottom of the kettle. Now, I don't know if that voids the warranty. I would think it would, but I don't know. Uh, but you can drill a hole in the bottom of a kettle uh, to put the mount for the the universal mount for a flame boss. Uh, but there are other controllers that Flame Boss is, uh, you know, obviously one of my favorites. Uh, I know it's accessible. Um, I use it every time I fire up my grill for the most part. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely is one that uh, I think is a good option uh, to look into. And if you have questions about a specific grill, you know your specific grill, what it is. Contact Flame Boss directly. Go to flameboss.com, and there is a uh, both an email address or a phone number, and you can call them. They're down in Florida, Orlando, or Kissimmee, Florida, in that area. Great folks, and they should be able to tell you if they're universal mount or what it would take to get it attached to the grill that you're using, uh, so that so that you can use it. You know. Um, so that that would be another option as well. Uh, and finally, Alex uh, wrote in asking uh, a question about uh, pellet grills. And, and this is where I, I there's just no really good, easy answer to this, because I do not know of a single pellet grill that is absolutely 100% accessible out of the box for someone who is completely blind. It's just not, it's not there that I'm aware of. Uh, now, saying that, there are some that once someone who is sighted tells you about certain buttons, let's say non-Wi-Fi uh, grills, right? Uh, you know how many clicks. Once, once someone tells you what each button does if they're tactile buttons and you're able to turn a knob and count the clicks and you'll know what the temperature is, you know, sometimes that, you know, then, you know, maybe someone can tell you that at the store, you get it home and you can fire it up and you can work it completely on your own. Uh, you know, that that's out there. Uh, and, and the problem is a lot of those old school controllers are harder and harder to find. Camp Chef used to have those. I, I know a few folks uh, that use Camp Chef non-Wi-Fi grills, and, and they can count the clicks, and they work great. The problem is Camp Chef has gone almost exclusively to all Wi-Fi controllers, and their app it sucks. It's just it's absolutely terrible and, and inaccessible. And, and it's unfortunate because they, as far as I'm concerned, make one of the best, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the price range that they fall into, have one of the best pellet grills, pellet smokers. You know, their Woodwind Pro, you, it's hard to beat. The problem is you can't use it if you can't see. And so, um, you know, it, that just, it, it, it's aggravating, right? It's, it's a frustrating thing. Uh, you've got Traeger, you know, and a lot of these companies, there, there was a time when there were really 
cheap pellet grills that were out there. Green Mountain Grill, Traeger, and some others, they were they were cheaply made. And a lot of these companies have really stepped up and they've bolstered the you know their uh, the way that they're made, the parts that they're using, and even staying in that in in certain price ranges, you know, the under one thousand dollars, you know, sometimes getting down to six hundred dollars, and and they're still doing some really good um, quality as far as pellet grills are concerned. But again, the question is, are they accessible and so it's really it's kind of a hit and miss thing. Traeger's app is accessible. I've talked to several who are blind or visually impaired, and once someone who is sighted help them get their controller connected to their Wi-Fi for the first time, after that they are able to use it. Right? They they're able to mark the buttons and and know where things are, and and the app is accessible, and they're able to use it. The same is true with Pit Boss. Um, I'm not as big of a fan, but they, you know, they work great. You know, this, this isn't about me, this, you know, right now, if we are just talking about accessibility, you know, sometimes if, if that's your only option, it's your only option. Um, you know, but again, if you get someone who's cited to help you get it set up, Pit Boss, uh, Traeger, you know, those are a couple, uh, that are out there. I, I was asked specifically about rec tech. I don't know. And, and I, I, I don't know of anyone who's blind or visually impaired, who has used a rec tech that is Wi-Fi uh, enabled. Um, there is a, a pellet grill called Pits and Spits that's that's made out of Texas. It's a higher end, but you talk about solid, probably one of the best built pellet grills. But again, we're talking $2,000 or more for a pellet grill. And it's, I mean, just, I'm, you know, um, Yoder, pits and spits and, you know, these high end, solidly U.S. made, these grills, they're they're stout, they're they're tanks, you know, Uh, but um, they they generally come with non-Wi-Fi and then you can add a Wi-Fi controller to it, you know, later if you want, which is an option. I mean, that's, that's an option for you. And so um, it just depends on what you want to spend and, and how you want to do it. Um, the, again, the problem, though, is whether or not uh, you know, the, these things are going to be accessible. And, and that's, that's where there's really just no, there, there's no 100%. Um, you know, you can pick it up, take it home, or have it delivered, and you can use it without sighted assistance from the very outset. I don't know of one that exists. But there are, like I said, a couple, Traeger, Pit Boss, and some others that you can get that you know, once you get it connected to your Wi-Fi, you're good to go. You're good to go. So uh, I hope that helps you guys. Again, if you guys, if others have some questions, uh, and and I even asked uh, Alex to you know if, if whatever he decides to get um, and any info that he comes across if he could pass it along uh, to help not only me but uh, some of our other listeners you know with some of that feedback um, you know there was uh, there was the guy and I'm sorry I forgot his name uh, down in Georgia who had 
uh, asked some questions, and he ended up going with the Traeger. And uh, yeah, I think he was looking at the Green Mountain Grill for a little while, but he couldn't get one in. And so finally, he went with the Traeger, and he let you know he let me know that his experience is yeah. Once he had it connected to Wi-Fi with sighted assistance, then after that, he's able to control it all on his own, which is awesome. That, that that's cool that that he's able to do that. All right, folks. Uh, let let's get into some of the other things we've we've got going on. Like I said, I had some halibut, and a friend of mine uh, had gone to Alaska. In fact, he's he's gone back to Alaska, and he's he he's halibut fishing today. Um, when this podcast comes out, he is on a boat halibut fishing in Alaska. Oh man. And, uh, and so I'm going to have some more, but, but halibut is, is really cool. It, it's a great white fish that's pretty versatile for a lot of reasons. And I know we've talked about it before about searing it, you know, just, you know, get, cut the skin off of it if it hasn't been cut off already. And then, um, you can sear it if you got a big old slab, sometimes a little thicker than others, and 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 you you gotta uh, let it stay on the smoker a little bit longer. But searing it off almost like you would a tuna steak uh, is how I like to do it. But there's something else that we've done, and and it's called poor man's lobster. And there's a couple of different ways of doing it. And I actually I, I did I, I've done both. I, I soaked it in sprite. And then I seared it off, right? I, I seasoned it with some uh, lemon pepper and then seared it off, and that, that was great. But then there's another way of getting a, a pot of water, adding a cup of sugar, and slicing up half a lemon and throwing it in there, and cubing up the uh, cubing up the halibut in about one inch cubes, one and a half inch cubes. Bring your water to a boil. Make sure this, you know, the you know, mix that sugar in really good. But bring your water to a boil and drop those cubes into that boiling water. The the tricky thing for those who are are blind or visually impaired is it will begin to foam and it will boil over if you're not careful. So you can turn down the heat a little bit, try to adjust that. I did not think of until just now about trying the trick with the wooden spoon that, that works for pasta. I doubt it would work on halibut, but uh, uh, maybe I'll try that and report back to you guys. I don't know. Uh, but with that, with the halibut, it's going to sink to the bottom, and don't stir it. Don't mix it. Just let it cook. And after a few minutes, it'll begin. they'll, they'll begin to rise and, and float up to the top. And basically, you just get a little skimmer, or a little, uh, oh, like a, a mesh or wire uh, strainer, uh, you know, handheld that that you can just kind of skim across and anything that's floated to the top, it's done, right? You can throw a little bit more, you know, a little bit of seasoning on it. But they, they say that it tastes like lobster. It does something to the texture, the lemon juice, especially the lemons in that water, and that sweetness because of the sugar that they call it poor man's lobster because it tastes kind of like lobster tails. And I, I would say I could tell it wasn't lobster, but the flavor was there. The, the, the flavor 
was that it was good. It was really good. And what's awesome is they would make a great little uh, appetizer or, you know, for, you know, watching, watching the game, right. Firing up, uh, you know, a, a, uh, you know, a, your, your, uh, I guess your stovetop with a pot of boiling water and, and making some poor man's lobster to kind of snack on uh, with that halibut. It, it would work. I'd, that would be, it works good. Uh, it tastes good. That's for sure. I, I certainly enjoyed it. And I think if you guys had it, cause you can do it with things other than halibut, any type of whitefish. So maybe you go to the store and you got some cod, you can do it with that. Uh, I would say you could probably do it uh, with uh, walleye. That's kind of, that's a white fish as well, but you can probably buy some cod at the store if you can't find halibut and do it with that and, uh, and, and enjoy. Uh, so, all right, folks, with that said, we need to get to brisket. Hey guys, Chris Peltz here with the Blind Grilling Experience talking about the kick ash basket. That's what I've got in my big green egg and it helps to manage the fire and the flames and the airflow so that I can control my temperature so much easier and so much better. And the kick ash can setting right underneath that basket, catching all those ashes makes cleanup a breeze. And they've got so many other great accessories on their website. They've got a great lifter. They've got all kinds of rubs and seasonings. And they've got the JJ George grill torch for lighting your grill as well. You know, I wouldn't have a grill without a kick-ash basket and kick-ash can. Check them out. Go to kickashbasket.com. All right, guys, let's talk about brisket because this is more and more people are talking about, all right, I'm going to do it. We had so many jump in on the chuck roast cooks that some have not tried brisket. Some have done brisket, but they weren't just exactly happy or satisfied with it. They've done the chuck roast, and I think they're getting their confidence up. And, in fact, several have have written in and said, we're doing chuck roast again and because it's just so easy and they love it. And the thing is, you do the exact same thing with brisket. Exact same thing. With brisket, right? And, and I'm talking about just the, the smoking aspect of it, not the uh, au jus and the ranch seasoning packet that we talked about as well. Uh, but just just the, the process of smoking uh, at 275 degrees indirect for four hours, wrapping it and putting a probe in it and taking it up to about 203 degrees internal temperature of the meat and probing it until it's probe tender. I mean, that's, you know, it's that simple, but there's a few little tricks and tips I would say that will help you take it to the next level uh, that we've talked about on this program before, but probably the most intimidating thing. While at first, you know, we talk about the cook. It's it's such a large cut of meat. It costs so much money. I don't want to ruin it. I'm afraid I'm going to overcook it, undercook it, dry it out. All of these things. And, And once you talk to them about 
you know, kind of easing their mind on that aspect of the brisket cook, it gets into trimming. And and then folks seem to just kind of shut down on the trimming. And they they back away and they they stay away from it. So so here's here's my challenge to you. First of all, get a whole buy a whole packer brisket, one that is in a cryovac sealed package that has not been opened, and let it set in your fridge for three whole weeks. Right? If it goes four, that's fine. No big deal. It's not going to hurt it. It's not going to go bad. You will be just fine. Get a whole packer brisket, leave it in the cryovac package, don't open it, put it in your refrigerator for no less than three weeks. When that three weeks is up, sometime between the third, you know, that third and fourth week from the time you bought it, we're going to trim it the night before you're going to cook it. I mean, you can trim it that morning, that's fine. But here's here in fact let's 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 walk through like you get up in the morning and you get up at seven o'clock in the morning, all right, just to make time frames easy. Seven o'clock in the morning, you go out, you you uh, walk into the kitchen, you pull that brisket out of your refrigerator and you set it on your counter. Then you're gonna go out to your grill and you're gonna get your grill all set up for an indirect cook. And you're going to fire it up. You're going to get it set at 275 degrees, whether it's a pellet grill, whether it's a, a charcoal grill, a big green egg, KJ, you know, again, a pellet grill, doesn't matter, right? Now, we're not talking about how to get the most smoke or anything like that. Right now, we're just trying to get some folks' confidence up uh, and, and, and get a brisket on the smoker. Setting it up at 275 degrees for an indirect cook. Then you're going to go back inside and you're going to open up that brisket and you're going to feel around and you're going to feel the fat. You're going to feel the meat. You're going to feel this wedge shape at one end. That's going to be your point. That's where you're going to get your burn ends. It's a really fatty piece of meat. It's got a lot of fat running throughout that muscle. You're going to feel the thinner end that is called the flat and, and almost, you know, that, that's what it is. It's kind of flat at one end. And there's going to be a fat cap on that as well. Once you feel that, I want you to take you a little bit of duck fat, a little bit of oil or something, whatever it is you want to use as a binder, a um, little, little olive oil or some duck fat spray as we like to use. And I want you to season it with something like uh, meat church, holy cow. Uh, I want, you know, some kind of uh, beef, you know, salt, pepper, garlic seasoning. You know, uh, you can get a little bit more creative if you want and go with like a cattleman smoky chipotle seasoning, which we think is great. You know, Cosmos has their... Um, their their cow cover. There's a cash cow. There's 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 all kinds of seasonings and rubbed out there. If you just want to do coarse salt and fresh cracked pepper, do that. That's fine, right? Um, and get it seasoned up 50-50 salt pepper ratio. Add a little bit of garlic powder in there if you want, and and get it seasoned up. Now you're probably thinking, wait a minute, what about the trim? Don't worry about it. Do you hear that? 
don't worry about it. It's no big deal. I've said this on this program time and time again, and, and I, we can go back and we can listen to other, other episodes where I've talked about don't worry about trimming the brisket. And, and, and what's amazing to me is uh, you can look up uh, not only how to trim a brisket, but whether or not you need to trim a brisket. And even over the past month, there have been some videos on YouTube that have come out, and they've done side-by-side comparison cooks where they did a, a brisket that was uh, trimmed the way they all have always trimmed it and one that they left completely alone and didn't trim at all. And they preferred the one they didn't trim. The one that they ate, when they, they tried them both, they had a preference, a beefier flavor, more just 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 they were both good. They were both great, right? I mean, they, they turned out well, but a much beefier flavor, much more juicy. And not only that, you can trim fat off, and it's a lot easier to tell the fat from the uh, from the muscle itself after it's cooked because it, the way it renders down and, and the feel of it. Um, but, you know, if, if you don't like the fat, folks can easily just cut it off after They've you you know after it's cooked, uh, and so you know and once you get comfortable cooking it and you want to try trimming or maybe just try a little bit maybe you feel this piece of a fat that almost feels hard as a rock and you want to cut that off, you know when you look listen to these videos that talk about getting everything trimmed down to where it's a quarter inch, it's level, and and they'll talk about aerodynamic briskets. And, you know, you're talking about restaurant trims. You're talking about competition trims. You're you're dealing with people who are, are putting briskets on these huge smokers, and they've got 10, 15, 20, 25 briskets. And they're trying to get the air flowing around them and that smoke going on these huge cooks. And, and so they talk about the aerodynamics. They talk about that, you know, trying to get everything done at the same time, trying to, you know, all, th- to have this consistency over this uh, amount of, you know, 10 to 25 cuts of meat. And, Okay, trimming can make a big difference then. Not only that, but when they trim those briskets, they're using that trimming for sausage, for burgers. They're using that trimming for something else. They're not throwing it away. And what a lot of guys are doing as home grillers as home smokers as they they trim it up they end up just throwing it away and wasting that and it's not necessary it's not necessary at all and so what you will find and and there there's video after video to bag me up on this from other guys that I don't know that I you know some I've talked to some I've I've never talked to uh, but the, you know they they've even recently been been putting this to the test I've been saying it for years, but they've been putting it to the test and they're coming out and they're saying, yeah, that's true. It is true that that the, the trim doesn't make that the difference that they thought it made. 
when you're in your backyard cooking for a bunch of folks and you're doing one or two briskets, um, it, you know, that it, the trim is not necessary. It just isn't necessary. So with that said, again, for great brisket, we're, we're, and we're talking the seven to eight hour cook, and it doesn't matter if it's a 13 pounder or a, an 18 pounder, um, you know, you're, you're going to cook that thing. You're going to put it on that grill on that smoker. Um, if you know where the fat side is, put it fat side up and let it go for four hours. And that will give, and that's at 275 degrees for your smoker. And that'll give that bark time to set. If you've got a really nice, good coat of, of seasoning or rub on that brisket, that bark will set up in about four hours. It'll be right there in that period of stall uh, that they talk about where the temperature stops rising because that fat's breaking down and kind of cooling the meat off a little bit. And it seems like, you know, like your cook has stalled. That's why they call it the stall. Um, it's time to wrap after four hours. You wrap it up, whether you use butcher paper or aluminum foil, you know, that that can be a discussion for, an, uh, I mean, we can talk about it, uh, but I'm telling you, once your bark is set, if your bark is set well, it's not going to make as big a difference as, as a lot of people think when it comes to, um, you know, butcher paper as opposed to aluminum foil. Um, but then there, you know, you could, if you're worried about that using aluminum, you know, you want to use butcher paper, you don't have it. All you've got is foil. Don't seal it up. You know, you could, there's people that are doing these boat method where they basically create this little boat that they set the brisket in and, and roll up the sides, but the top is open and, and they finish their brisket out that way, catching all the juices and leaving it in the juice in the aluminum foil uh, but, uh, you know, they, they really like that method and how it, you know, uh, works the bark. Uh, I seal it up. I use foil. I seal it up. But I also make sure the bark is set. And, and I found that after four hours, that's usually enough time to get that bark set. Then I put a probe in it, wrap it up, put it back on the smoker. And I bring that temperature up to about 205 degrees uh, internal temp. And then I start running that probe through the meat to make sure there's no resistance anywhere. If there's resistance anywhere, I let it keep cooking. Even if it gets up to 208 degrees internal, that right now I, I'm not worried about the internal temp anymore because I know I'm I'm where I want to be internal temp wise. I've gotten there at 203, 205, whatever you know that range. Now I'm looking for probe tender, and once it's probe tender, it's ready to pull off and let it rest for an hour or two if you have time. If not, you know, at least an hour. Uh, throw it in a cooler and let it set, you know, and, and it'll stay hot in that cooler. Uh, and 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 then enjoy, right? It, it, it just, uh, you know, I think you guys will not only be impressed with the results, you're going to love it. You're really going to love it. And you're going to find out just how real, really simple it is and that you don't need to be so intimidated by such a large cut of meat or by all of the trimming videos that are out there by these restaurant owners or caterers or YouTubers who are, you know, trying to 
you know, have food look like restaurant results when it's not necessary. We're backyard folks. I mean, we're, we're wanting to feed people, make them happy. And most of the time they don't care what it looks like. You know, you, you know, right now just get the cook done and, and, and I think you'll be pleased with the results. Friends and family gather around and fire up the barbecue. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Blind Grilling Experience. Shoot us an email, info at blindgrilling.com. Let me know just how much you think I am wrong on this, if you do. You know, try it. At least try it. That's all I'm saying. And I think I think you'll love it. I think you'll be, I, I think you'll be cooking briskets all year round. That's what I think. All right, folks, remember, until next time, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Because if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Fire up the barbecue. Fire up the barbecue.